This might sound a little crazy, but when I can, I like to listen back to the No Dunks podcast. I look at it as sort of a day-to-day review. What worked on the pod? What could we have changed? Did I laugh a little too hard when Lee said, down to the skin? And I only listen to No Dunks on my new Sonos Move. Move is the premium portable smart speaker for listening all around your home and even outdoors. You can stream music, podcasts, radio, audiobooks, and more with Wi-Fi or Bluetooth and experience clearly detailed sound and rich bass for up to 11 hours with Move's long-lasting battery and durable, weather-resistant design. 11 hours. Think of that. I could listen to every No Dunks ad read ever performed, back to back to back to back, including this one, and still have some battery life to listen to a little music. Just pick up Move off its indoor charging base and bring the sound with you from room to room. I can't even shower now without listening to a podcast or music. The water cannot touch my skin. Luckily, I got my Move. Pop it in the bathroom, boom, rub-a-dub-dub. My buddy Ken manages a video and audio center up in Canada. He was an early adopter of Sonos, and he offered, I'm not kidding you here, to buy my move off of me because he can't keep them on the shelves. It's that good. I'm not kidding. Ken says move is the best portable smart speaker on the market. Its sound quality is unmatched. I also think it just looks awesome. Good sound, cool look. That's a good combo. So go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos Move today. Welcome to Pop and Packs, a segment where I open an old pack of NBA basketball cards with a former star. And today's guest is a big one, literally and figuratively. Seven feet, four inches, former Houston Rockets all-star Ralph Sampson joins me to talk about his battles with Patrick Ewing, how he should have won the 1987 all-star game MVP, and the only teammate he looked up to, literally. We are waiting for Ralph Sampson. We are waiting, waiting. This uh, request has been sent. It's connecting. It's connecting. And there he is. Ralph Sampson, Hall of Famer, Ralph Sampson. Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast. Welcome to Poppin' Packs. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And nice to see you. We haven't seen each other other in a while, so it's good. Yeah, yeah. Early mid-80s, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the I've got the classic rocket shirt on here for you. So uh, you got fun. the right logo for sure. Yeah, you got the right shirt. Right. <laughs> what uh, the Rockets playing tonight against the Lakers? Uh, what are your thoughts? Can they get back into this series? Well, you know, you live by the three, you die by the three. So you know, I don't think they can get back in series. LeBron and are playing extremely well. Rondo played really well, so he's back in the group. I think he's the difference maker. Uh, you know, in the last game or so, he's got his groove back now from his injuries. He's going to be the key. So you got Rondo, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. They're really stepping up. LeBron played amazing well the first half last night. I think he ran out of gas the second half. But uh, they got to have, you know, cool. Somebody on the bench got to step up a little bit to finish it out. It's hard to close out a team. I th- But I think the Lakers will win it eventually in the end. Then right. I can't wait to see the Lakers and the Clippers. That's going to be a great series. You know, the way the, the Rockets play right now with the small ball, they certainly could use a seven-foot-four guy out there on the court blocking shots and running the floor, I think, wouldn't they? Well, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind playing with them. I would have to block shots, but, I mean, you just shoot threes. I mean, yeah. 
you know, you're, 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 you're shooting 30, 40, 50, 63. I mean, you, your percentage got to be really high. I mean, I got a friend on that team, PJ Tucker, that shoots the baseline three. And I mean, he, he's lucky to get one in per game, but he, he does well. And, um, you know, it's just hard to shoot threes and be consistent and win a championship. It's just tough. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, so the way this works is I have an old pack of basketball cards here from the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and uh, I'm going to pop that open. I'm going to reveal a few clues, and uh, and hopefully you can tell me a few stories about these guys you played with and against. Okay, let's go for it. Okay, great. Let me see here. Okay, the first one. This guy was a, uh, a sharp-shooting six-man. He came off the bench. He won six-man of the year late in his career. He played with the Phoenix Suns, and he played with the Seattle Supersonics primarily, who I remember him for. And he's uh, the Phoenix Suns commentator these days. He's still involved in the Phoenix Suns and their broadcast team. He was a, a six-eight power, uh, not a power forward, a small forward, six-nine power forward out of Illinois. Mr. Eddie Sharpshooter Johnson. That's the right one. There he is there, playing for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. So Eddie and I coached at uh, Phoenix. Actually, I coached in 2000, early 2010s, 12, 13, something like that. And great friend, great guy, shoot the ball, uh, commentator. But, uh, you know, Eddie just had that special knack. I mean, it was the bow leggers all get out. So, <laughs> you know, his pigeon toe, bow legged. So getting up down the court was a little bit hard for him, but he made it work. But the shot that he took, were amazing, he, consistency, great professional athlete, and you know, obviously commentates the Phoenix Suns game, but a good friend and, and great player. Awesome, great. Well, good start there, one for one. Okay, this next guy, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, came out of Virginia and uh, where you came out of there, of course, and he played uh, with the Seattle Supersonics and the LA Clippers. He was another big power forward. He bounced around a little bit in his career, went to the Detroit Pistons, but... Um, if I remember correctly, he was traded for uh, Scotty Pippen on draft night as well, I think. Huh. Out of Virginia. Yeah. No, oh, that's a good one. It's either probably straight for uh, draft night for Scotty Pippen. That's not the same guy then that happened. So it got to be old in Polonies. Yeah, there you go. Two for two. I guess you guys never played uh, at Virginia together, though. You were probably in the NBA when he, um, before he started then, because if he, if he was drafted in 87, he probably didn't start until 83 in Virginia, I guess. Well, you know, I graduated Virginia in 1983, and he was the incoming freshman in 84, and they went to the finals in 84 uh, with that crew with uh, Olin Polonese at the rookie freshman center. Rick Carlisle, Ricky Stokes, Othell Wilson, Ken Needland, and the crew, they played in Seattle, and uh, and uh, Odin was the, the center of that team. All right. All right. Yeah, okay. Good stuff. Two for two there. Okay, this uh, this next guy, it's, it's kind of funny because when you and Akeem played together, you were known as the Twin Towers, but then when you played in Golden State, you played with a guy who was even bigger than you, which was probably pretty rare in your NBA career. And this guy even knocked in a few threes under that Don Nelson system uh, that was a bit of a, a bit of a crazy system. But um, his son right now is playing for the Denver Nuggets, and uh, he hasn't had a lot of minutes in this second round series. But he's, he showed some talent there. But uh, the big, the biggest man I think we've ever seen play in the NBA. Well, his son, I think, went out of, to the NBA too early, number one. Two, it's very re weird for me to have to look up to someone, ever. <laughs> uh, and look at someone face-to-face, -face, which was totally different when I played with him. 
And you can imagine traveling on an airplane, flying commercial with a seven foot four and a seven foot six guy named Manu Bo. That's the one. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? What were practices like uh, there under that Don Nelson uh, Warriors team there? Because you were there from 80, 89 to 91. Is that right? I think around that time. Right. At time. Yeah. I mean, uh, we call him Nudie, but Nudie Bo was one of the hilarious, most fun people you ever wanted to be around. Now, he could joke you all day long, but you couldn't joke him. He would get mad. <laughs> and I was in a situation with him and Charles Barkley once, and he and Charles actually in that picture played at the Sixers, you know, a couple of years together. Yeah. Manute had such big hands and long fingers that when he pointed at you, his finger would curve and go to the right. So <laughs> he, he, he was pointing at Charles one time. He said, Manute, why are you pointing over there to that guy over there? You're not pointing <laughs> at me. So his finger curved. But great guy, uh, great stories. A fun guy to be around. Practice were, were fun because, you know, you know Don Elton had, had us elevated from the from the offense, so we didn't really get involved in the offense much. But Manu would shoot threes and block shots and uh, just a great, great person. God rest his, his soul. Uh, and, you know, his son is carrying that legacy on. So uh, good to see him do that. Yeah, it, it certainly looks like Bol Bol uh, has got some pretty good talent there. Uh, you know, he looked like he had a good handle. He was shooting threes, you know, probably better than his dad was in the end there. Like, they're pulling up, knocking down those threes. I, I think he's got a future in the NBA. It'd be great to see him uh, be able to really establish himself there in Denver. Yeah, I don't know if he can shoot three like his dad, but he's, he's, he's a better athlete than his dad for sure. Right. He's got a great, great uh, upside to his career. He's still young, so time will tell what he can do for sure. Okay, this next one is interesting because uh, we go from super tall to a guy who was uh, six foot eight, I believe, around that height. But he basically played center um, in in that Golden State system with uh, with uh, Don Nelson. He was known as Mr. Mean, this guy, and he always had a bit of a, a bit of an angry look on his face. Um, uh, well, he, was, he was he was never angry. I, you know, I get traded from the Houston Rockets. Um, from the Houston Rockets to the Golden State Warriors, which he was on that team. And, you know, he could not score at all. I mean, he was hard to score. So Don Nelson put in a play called the Bank Pass, name of Larry Smith. Yep. So we threw the ball off the backboard, and he would turn and face and box this guy out and get the rebound and put it up in the basket. So Mr. Main, good friend, great person. Uh, you know, obviously played there and, and, you know, in Houston and Golden State, became a coach. One of the best people you ever want to be around. Tough as nails to the point. You know what he could do, what he couldn't do. But he, he was a great, great person on the court and off the court that would stick with you through thick or thin. So Mr. Mean himself. It's, uh, it's just great hearing those stories about, you know, the Don Nelson Warriors because, um, you know, they, they, he was kind of ahead of his time when you look at the way a lot of teams play now with the small ball and uh, teams just running out there shooting threes and trying different things. But Don Nelson was doing this in, in the late 80s and early 90s. I mean, uh, he was he was revolutionary like that. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, great coach. I mean, he played and he coached and he owned the team and he's young man. So he's done everything in the game of yeah. basketball and the professional sports that you could do. We go into the Hall of Fame together. Right, in, uh, yeah. And he's a great, great person. I've learned to understand who he is and being able to be around him for a couple of years there at Golden State. But he's, you know, innovative, creative. I mean, we had Terry Teagle, you know, as a post-up player because he had a post-up game. He couldn't shoot outside, but he could post up. So he right. was very innovative, for sure, in, 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 in the game today.
Right. Okay. This next guy, he um, he played at Virginia Tech, I believe. Uh, not Virginia. He was a pretty pretty smooth shooting sort of uh, shooting guard. And his son, right now, has gone on to become an even better player than dad. His son is a two-time MVP with the Golden State Warriors. But we know that his dad was the first one in the family with a shooting stroke. Uh, and his son, he's got another son who's playing with the Dallas Mavericks right now. But uh, this guy, well, Charlotte Hornets. It's funny because he tried to date one of my sisters at one point in time, Mr. <laughs> Dale Perry. Uh, very smooth shooter. Uh, went to my rival school, <clears throat> Virginia Tech, and actually uh, went to Fort Defiance High School, which is not too far from my hometown of Harrisonburg, Virginia, where we, you know, obviously I was a little bit before him, so we played high school. Uh, our high school plays against each other, but his son's uh, definitely Steph is a much better shooter than than Dale. And his youngest son, you know, Dallas is not as good a shooter, I think, but I think he's a better athlete. So right. the bloodlines are thick there, and and I love love to see those stories and watch the you know player sons develop and become better people and players if they can do that as well. So Dale Dale Curry himself. Yeah, that's right. And uh, in the comments here, we've got Kenny Anderson, the uh, the number two pick in the '91 draft, saying hello out there, Kenny Anderson. I had I had Kenny Anderson on this uh, on this uh, segment a few weeks ago, so it's great to see Kenny in there. Hey, Kenny, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, well, I got a podcast. I'll get you on that as well. I mean, again, <laughs> another phenomenal left-handed point guard. Yeah. That, uh, you know, transition again. We, we, I'm sure he would say that we would love to play today's game because we can shoot the ball anytime we wish and shoot three. So, yeah, Kenny, hope all is well with you, man. Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech star there, Kenny Anson. Okay, this next guy was another teammate of yours in Houston. He was the starting guard forward for the um, for the, that, that big team in '86. Uh, really smooth shooting guy, about six foot eight. Um, number 50 he wore. Then I think, I think he went to the Charlotte Hornets in that um, expansion draft. I think that's when he joined the, the Hornets. But uh, I certainly remember him as a Houston Rocket and uh, out of uh, out of St. Mary's in Texas. Oh, you're talking about Mr. Robert Reed. Yeah, I am talking about Mr. Robert Reed. There he is. Yeah, a friend of mine. Uh, it's funny because he um, – now, I'm coming into Houston, and he had taken a sabbatical uh, out the year I got there, a year before I got there. And that number 50, I wore 50 in high school and college. Right. And I wanted that number. But so they gave it to me and he got in and he said, well, you took my number. I said, no, I, I had the number first and I'm the number one pick. So we laughed about that. But he took 33 and then shortly he went back to number 50. So we call him Mr. Rock Reed. Great player. He's the one with our group because we had some guards that go down with some personal stuff. They created a point forward phenomenon in the NBA in the early, uh, mid, or late 80s that transition even today's game where you got forwards bringing the ball to court and that system helped, you know, create that, I do believe. You know, uh, I, I used to think it was him who threw that pass to you uh, against the Lakers, but it was Rodney McRae who made that pass. That's but, now, now, you know, yeah, you got you to gotta make sure you get it right. Rodney would say, it wasn't my shot, it was his pass. So yeah. <laughs> I get cool, cool to Rodney McRae. <laughs> what was that play, though? Because, you know, for, when I look at it, you just kind of sort of established position there against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, no, no slouch there. Was that the play that Bill Fitch drew up just to get as close to the basket as possible? Well, as you and I talked the other day, I mean, you were at that game, so it's a, a play. The Lakers didn't put anybody on the ball. Typically, you put somebody on the ball out of bounds. Uh, I think they were trying to protect, you know, where the ball goes in. Didn't though. And Kareem didn't front me or didn't sign. He just stayed behind me. So 
it, you know, I positioned myself very quickly. I don't know if they thought about it very quickly and got him on my back. And I was able to receive the ball in a you know split second, but I knew I had no time really to get turn around and get a shot off. So, you know, we you know how you practice stuff. You're on the post above that box on the post. You know where you line up at, so you know how far the basket is typical. So you play there all your life. So I just knew if I could get something off to the basket with a good touch, soft touch, that it gave a chance to go in. If not, we were going to overtime. So yeah. I knew that going in. So I didn't have a lot of pressure to do that. But you always dream as an as a athlete basketball to hit a last second shot like that, but hit that one that takes us to the finals in the NBA was very, very special for me. Yeah, I mean, I look at like Kawhi Leonard shot last year against the Philadelphia 76ers, how that bounced around. Yours was, yours was kind of similar to that, that it sort of didn't go in clean. It bounced and bounced and then just dropped in. Right. And then you see that famous shot of Michael Cooper kind of slumping to the ground. Like it's, uh, it's an incredible moment. And, um, and Bill Fitch, I heard on a podcast one time saying, you know, like, cause everyone said, well, that was a big upset, but he said, if you guys didn't have to play Denver in that previous series where you went to seven games, he thinks you would have swept the Lakers um, in that series. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, uh, you know, we had played a grueling seven game series with the Denver Nuggets, Alex Ingers, Kiki Vandaway, Dan Esso, on and on and on. You know, my, how we won this game seven there with myself and Akeem fouling out in overtime. Yeah. And we grabbed our waiters, Craig Elo, Roger McCray, Robert Reed, uh, you know, that guy that we had on the team carried us, you know, carried us through that. And then within 24, 48 hours later, we had to go play the Lakers. They were sitting there waiting for us. Yeah. And they handled us, you know, our tail basically at that point in time. But we had a couple of days of repair. We didn't beat them in the first game. I don't think they would win a game, but I tell Magic and Michael Cooper when I speak to him, we talk about this game and reminisce a little bit. You know, if we'd have lost that game when I made the shot, we were going back home to Houston anyway. We'd have beat you right. down there yeah. like yeah. Yeah. none other. So yeah. you're, lucky that you, you're lucky that you didn't have to go and travel, you know, to Houston and get your tailbeat and go back home. So we, we, yeah. we, we called you not to travel. So anyway, we laugh about it, but it, Bill Fitch is right. We probably would have won all four games. It's uh, it's funny because the next card is uh, is that man, and I, I saw your Hall of Fame speech where you, you sort of referenced this man, Magic Johnson, there for the Lakers, and uh, and you said he's still mad at you for uh, for hitting that shot. Is that that's uh, is that true? He still talks about it. Yeah, he, he uh, you know we we joke around a little bit. I've seen him a couple of times in different uh, events that we've gone out to, and uh, it was one the Ron Brown Scholar Program. If anybody out there wants to support a, a scholarship program. Ron Brown, a guy named Mike Mallory, a friend of mine, runs that. But he was at that event giving a speech. And Maddie Jonathan and the Secretary of State, Ron Brown, were good friends at that point and helped him escalate to the business side of what he does. And he gets up and it's kind of a, a game where um, Virginia actually is playing Michigan State in the NCAA tournament during that same time. And he spoke. And we were all watch, trying to watch the game. And he gets up and says, hey, Ralph, I'm still mad at you because you made that shot against us in, <laughs> in, you know, in the 87, 86 playoffs. So, you know, it's good to be able to joke about stuff like that. But, you know, the greatest thing about it is that I tell him, I say, look, you know, that was one game. You end up getting mad and retooling and going back and work out all year. Then you won two championships in a row. Yeah. So I'd rather kind of be on your side of what you did than what I was. But, you know, we talk about that as well. But, you know, Lakers yeah. were dominant back then and, you know, Magic and the crew and, you know, very special people. Yeah. Okay, well, this next guy, speaking of Hall of Fame, he was one of the guys uh, you brought up there to present you. Uh, he, he was. He's become a Hall of Famer himself since then. 
but he was the uh, the tough point guard from the Philadelphia 76ers. He went on to play, of course, with the Phoenix Suns and then the Houston Rockets himself to end his career. All right, I'll put him up into my Hall of Fame speech. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, well, he, that would have to be either Charles Barkley, Bill Russell, which didn't come. Um, uh, I can't see the car. Who was that? Barkley, Charles. yeah. So it's Charles, yeah. Yeah, to be Mr. Barkley, yeah. Good yeah. friend of mine. We, we've gotten uh, very close over the years. And um, and I brought Charles up to the Hall of Fame speech just because, one, his rookie year was my second year or so. And we, I kind of inducted him into the NBA in a preseason game where I was dunking the ball and trying to get it done. But then over the years, as you see him, and then it really we built a relationship after after basketball with the Hall of Fame stuff going on as well. We go to events, see each other. And, you know, we, we almost like a brotherhood uh, when yeah. we go to certain things. He takes care of, you know, people. He's got a sweetheart, you know, of, of a personality. But Charles Barkley is one of a kind, and I appreciate his friendship. Yeah. He's always pretty entertaining, even still. He's been on TV now for, for what, nearly 20 years, and he still has that same, uh, yeah, <laughs> same energy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Same energy. Very candid person, right to the point. So I love yeah. him a death. We'll be back with more of Poppin' Packs with Ralph Sampson right after this. Yeah, now is the time to celebrate because football is, is football is back. And draft, <laughs> is it back? <laughs> I didn't realise it was back already. Uh, anyway, and DraftKings... This weekend, this weekend. This weekend, man. right? Yeah. Okay, okay. The leader in one-day fantasy sports is putting you in the centre of this weekend's action with over $8 million up for grabs across all of their contests. Kick off the season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at $1 million top prize with your first deposit when you use code MAZE during sign-up. Get in on the action now. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with a DraftKings lineup. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar top prize. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, <laughs> so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code MAYS, M-A-Y-S. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete for over $8 million in prizes across all contests. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter code MAYS to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAYS. Only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So I'm trimming my pubes the other day. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Get into it, JD. <laughs> Using the awesome Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 with ceramic blade and skin safe technology. And as I'm clipping away, mm-hmm. not quite to the skin, Lee, more of a more of a Marc Gasol home haircut job. Uh but anyways, I, uh, I removed enough hair so I could see my feet for the first time in a while. And as my toes came into view, I realized just how gross they'd become. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a, uh, I'm a pedicure guy. Pre-pandemic, I just hit the salon, get my feet done as, long as, uh, as well as a couple of spots on my bod waxed. But uh, now I'm on my own. 
And I, uh, I've been doing a complete hack job on my toenails. But then... <laughs> then I remembered the Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit that came with my perfect package 3.0. It has tempered stainless steel tools, slashed-tipped tweezers. Wow, that's hard to say. <laughs> Rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. That's key. Long story short, if I ever leave my house again, I won't be wearing socks on the beach like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like Snoopy? Like, Sno- like Snoopy. <laughs> socks on the beach, worst cocktail ever, by the way. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping with code THEATHLETIC20. That's the number 20. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. Okay, this next one. So this is kind of ironic because um, you were the NBA All-Star Game MVP in 1985. And then two years later... In 1987, you were supposed to play, but you were you were selected to play, but you were injured, and you couldn't play. And this guy took your place, and he went on to win the MVP. First player ever as a replacement player to go on and win the MVP of an All-Star game in Seattle, well, in his hometown. Well, I, I, I tell him when I see him, I say, you, I, you owe me that trophy. You <laughs> um, wouldn't have been there. So I had got, you know, the couple weeks before the All-Star game, I got injured. And name was Tom Chambers. I got injured and I could not uh, play. And then he got selected to play and played very well and won MVP. So can jump out of the gym, shoot the ball, great person, uh, you know, hardworking. Uh, I mean, you, you see some highlights where he's dunking over Mark Jackson uh, yep. in, you know, in the game. But anyway, jump out of the gym. For a white guy, he, he could jump, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I always I always wondered about that, you know, with the MVP trophy. If, uh, if you called him up and said half of that should be coming to me here anyway, you know. Yeah, that's so yeah he owed me that trophy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this next guy was um, – he was a backup center in Houston for you guys. Um, and I think he was a rookie in 1986, I believe. Leaf, and now he's the uh, color commentator for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. He's been there for quite a few years. He went on also to play with the Warriors later for his career. He was a big guy, about 6'10", 6'11", I think he was, out of uh, out of Minnesota. And he was drafted yeah, he by to, the he went to, Yeah, he went to the University of Minnesota, graduated there. We, we got him in Houston for a, a stand day with a backup center. And then I actually played with him against the Sacramento Kings and won. But you're talking about Mr. Jim Peterson. I am, which yes. Which is uh, another good friend of mine, a great guy. And, 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 and he's a, a unique player and uh, work, worked hard and, you know, had a great career. Yeah, he's uh, – yeah, I remember I remember that game again where, you know, Akeem gets, Akeem gets ejected for going at Mitch Kupchak and Jim Peterson, I think, comes out to have to uh, – take those minutes so it's a it's a, it's a big challenge for a young guy out there it is that it is that uh, okay this other guy um he was inducted the same the same year you were in 2012 sharp shooting guard out of indiana only played for one team he's out of california but he only spent Reggie his entire career. there you go Reggie. yeah Reggie one of the best shooters in the game of basketball had the funkiest looking jump shot the only better shooter than him was his sister Cheryl. So and Reggie would tell you that Cheryl we used to kick Reggie's tail. But uh, Reggie, great person, commentates in the NBA and UCLA, great. And um, you know, 
I can only remember the game when Spike Lee was heckling him in the sideline and Reggie scored like nine points in like 30 seconds. So Reggie yeah. Miller is uh, one, of the best, one of the best shooters ever in the NBA. Was, uh, he, he said on the broadcast a week or so ago that given the rules today that he, he thinks he could average 45 points a game in the current NBA. What, what do you think mm -hmm. about that? Well, no, you probably could, but, to, you know, because you can just shoot it. And he didn't have great point guard handles, but I'm sure he could have you know, worked on that and got better at it. But, I mean, the way he shot the ball when he played, he would definitely average over 30 a night. I mean, guarantee right. you. All, right. all they're doing is shooting threes. I mean, he played with the Houston Rockets today, and all you're shooting is threes. I mean, ain't nothing better than Reggie Miller. Okay, a couple more to go here. Um, this guy is uh, probably your biggest college rival. Uh, out there in Georgetown. You had a great battle against each other. Uh, you know, everyone everyone remembers that from uh, the college days and then, of course, into the NBA there for a few years as well. But uh, the big man out of Georgetown, legendary Nick, later in his career, of course, went to Seattle and Orlando. But uh, everyone remembers him as, as Mr. New York Nick. Yeah, it's Patrick. I mean, the one only Patrick Ewing. I mean, you know, so he's a great, great guy. We... we, we... <clears throat> chatted for over the last couple of days doing to the passing of coach legendary John Thompson. God rest his soul. Great, great person. Patrick, the amazing uh, player, person. We played in college against each other, played in the NBA against each other. Now he's the coach at Doorstown. Good luck to him there. But uh, there's no other better than Patrick Ewing. Yeah, it's uh, it's great the, uh, the the rivalry you guys had in college basketball. And then, uh, you know, what was it like? How different was it when you get to the NBA? You know, there's a bigger spotlight and there's more media attention that, you know, when you guys go against each other, how different is the atmosphere in an NBA court compared to a college court? Well, no, you know, back then we, we played only one time in college, the game of the century. So it was hyped up for, you know, for months and months and months. There was a lot of media around it. You have to understand there was no social media. Yeah. ESPN and stuff like that, but it was Sports Illustrated. We only cover Sports Illustrated together, the whole deal. So there wasn't any of the hype that you would get today for a game like that. And I don't think there will ever be any games like that again where you got two college-dominant players being able to play against each other because you'll have, you know, rookies, freshmen going to, going to the NBA the next year. So, but college, I mean, NBA transition, you play, especially in New York and the Mecca. I mean, but you play so many times a year. We go to New York once, they come to us once, so you don't play as much. But then you, every night you're playing against somebody. So not as much hype uh, from the game of the century there. But um, still, going to New York, you want to play your best. Though. You don't want to get killed in New York. The media will kill you in New York. <laughs> and you know, so I'm sure we won some. He won some. So both have you know, great careers you know, uh, in the NBA and uh, now Hall of Famers as well. Awesome. Great. Okay, this, uh, Nick, this next guy, he was another uh, a legend when you entered the league. He was an MVP, multiple-time MVP. Uh, he's no longer with us, sadly, but he was a, an undersized center for Houston Rockets. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers. Later in his career, he went to uh, Atlanta and uh, Washington as well. But uh, you remember him for, in the Houston Rockets. Uh, and, and the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, were his uh, two best teams. Big guy, used to wear the goggles. But uh, undersized, incredible scorer, great footwork. Akeem Olajuwon used to talk about how he had uh, great footwork, this guy. Yeah, he talked Akeem Olajuwon, uh, the game of basketball down in St. Petersburg, hail from Petersburg, Virginia, by Mr. Moses Malone, great friend, uh, rest in peace. Uh, I was with him the night before he passed away at the Hall of Fame. Um, very funny guy. When I mean, we work out together, going on trips in the Hall of Fame or golf events, uh, one of the hardest-nosed players you'll ever want to come across. Would throw the ball off the rim, 
be open, get, get a layup, throw the ball to him to pad his rebounds and get 20 rebounds a night. But, uh, you know, special, special person again, uh, you know, that taught Akeem Olajuwon pretty much the game of basketball. Uh, the Mr. One Only, Moses Malone, Helen from Petersburg, Virginia. Yeah, great. Nice one. Yeah, big Moses. Uh, okay, two more to go here. This guy is uh, another center who came out around um, 87 out of North Carolina. He was very well known for being a big passing, uh, a passing center. Spent his career with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, made a couple of all-star games. Um, even could shoot the mid-ranger as well. Uh, yeah, UNC out of uh, came in the came out of the draft in '86 for the Cavaliers. You talking about Brad Doherty? Brad Doherty, there you go. Yeah, yeah Mr. Brad Doherty himself, big, big body, big center. I mean, played on that team with actually Mr. Jordan dethroned him with a uh, shuttle Mr. Craig Elo, but Brad and Craig Elo and Larry Nance and Mark Price, great team, great career. Now, you know, Brad's really high in on the drag car racing stuff as well, but, you know, North Carolina great, uh, you know, just a really good guy. I actually have him up here on my on my board. I have a board here in my, in my office where I got some of the uh, number one picks, but that's Mr. Brad Doherty right there. All uh, right. As a number one pick uh, in, in his card, so good guy. <laughs> that's uh, that's cool that you got that that, that stuff there. Okay, yeah. the last the last one here. I believe this guy was in your draft class there in '83 out of Rutgers University. Played for the uh, New Jersey Nets, the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was a scorer, like a, a sort of small forward guy, not really a power forward, but he had a nice little jump shot on him for his career. And uh, yeah, Cleveland, Philadelphia, New Jersey, uh, 1983 round, first round pick, number number 20. He was uh, the number 20 pick. He wore number 23. Oh, Number 20 pick uh, in the 1983 draft. That's, that's my draft year, so. Yeah. Uh, number 20 pick, I have to go back to my archive now. That, that's a tough one for me right now. The number 20 pick in the NBA draft, 1983. Uh, Roy Henson. Roy Henson, okay, yeah. Roy Henson. Yeah, jumping Roy Henson. He can get up off the ground, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, you know, small power, small forward, power forward, but great guy as well. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, that's uh, that's quite a good pack we had there, uh, Ralph. Uh, I love hearing some of those old stories there. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's great because, of course, the Rockets were such a uh, a big team there in the late '80s with that big upset. And now it's ironic that the Rockets and the Lakers are playing right now. So uh, I'm very uh, honoured that you joined me on this today, and uh, and it was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like I said, you were at the game, and the Lakers and I went to Utah Pass Cross. We didn't know it. But now we, you have your show. Thanks for having me. We have our podcast called Center Court Podcast 50. So everybody check that out. Sign up for it. We just finished taping some shows today that will be really exciting. More to come with that. My co-host Jason Zone Fisher out there and the team we have that uh, helps put that together. But thank you for having me. And let's do it again one of these days. Anytime. I'm available anytime. I'll, give you, I'll, I'll, be, I'll do the reverse. I'll give you some, some names. I got a whole list of cards up here. I got <laughs> Del uh, Care. I got Jason, uh, Hot Wire Rams. I got some up here I can show you. And then see if I can, see if you can, see if I can stump you, right? Yeah, I would, I would love to take on that challenge. That would be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, thank you to Jason Fisher, of course, for helping uh, connect this here. That was, uh, that was very good of him. And uh, thank you. Best of luck with your podcast as well. And uh, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Stay safe out there. You too.